How can you even defend a position you believe blindly or never even truly studied? Mormons and Jehovah Witnesses are not Christians. They believe in an entirely different Jesus, a Jesus that never even existed. Is your life here on earth meaningless and purposeless? Ask Bertrand Russell. He says that our existence here is pitiless indifference. Being in a Christian home makes your kids no more a Christian than them standing in the garage makes them a car. They need to hear the gospel of Christ and receive the free gift of salvation personally. Welcome to Contending for Christ Apologetics, where we contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to C4C Apologetics. Today I want to talk about a question that's really been plaguing, well, naturalists and mankind for many, many, many centuries. This question goes back even farther past the Greek Empire with the Greek philosopher of Epicurus. Epicurus really made this uh, this problem, this, this concern, this question uh, kind of popular. And from a 6th century, I believe he's 6th century BC Greek philosopher, he's still talked about to today. Basically, he has four points that he points out when he's looking at suffering in the world. And really, we're going to be talking about this as far as suffering in the world from what atheists and critics of theism like to charge in the fact that if God created the world, why did God create the world with evil? And so, sort of along the lines of that, Epicurus is famous for saying, Is God willing to prevent evil but not able? Then he is not omnipotent. Is he able but not willing? Then he's malevolent. Is he both able and willing? Then whence cometh evil? Is he neither able nor willing? Then why call him God? It's this third point of Epicurus' dilemma, if you will, that we're going to look at answering today. Namely, is he both able and willing? Then whence cometh evil? You see, in this four-point statement that Epicurus makes, for the first one, he looks at God. He's looking at God, and he's looking at the evil and the suffering and the pain around the world. And he's questioning, is God willing to prevent the evil? Well, that's a good trait. Wanting to do something to stop it is good. But maybe it's the fact that God's not able. And if he's not able, then, like a lot of atheists charge, if God can't do anything, then he's not omnipotent. And that's a big difference between Allah and Yahweh. Is Allah, according to the Muslims, Allah can do clearly anything, even lie. So to the Muslims, Allah can actually lie, otherwise he's not omnipotent. Now to Christians with Yahweh, we know that God, Yahweh, Jehovah, Elohim, cannot do anything that is contrary to his nature or his essence, being the fact that God is all good. He is all benevolent. God cannot lie. And so there's a difference as far as how one defines omnipotence. And according to Islam, Allah's God can lie, not only about things, but to people. Again, neglecting the fact of any Muslim having assurance of salvation. Because even if Allah writes in the Hadith that if you give your life as a martyr during jihad, you're promised 72 virgins, how do they know that God, or Allah, did not lie to them? So with this first point of Epicurus, is God willing, but just not able Epicurus is not properly defining omnipotence in looking at the fact that God cannot exist and cease to exist at the same time. 
God cannot lie. That's contrary to his nature. So you got to be able to define the term omnipotence. And this is big when you're getting into the omnipotence paradox. Can God make a rock so heavy he can't lift it? Can God make a burrito so hot he can't eat it? Whatever the case is. Then the second thing that Epicurus brings up is, is God able but simply not willing? Does God have all power to stop the evil and suffering in the world, but he simply is not willing to do it? Then Epicurus says that he's a malevolent being, that he's a wicked, evil being. But another thing that Epicurus is failing to realize is the free will of man. The fact that God is going to do something about the suffering in that 2,000 years ago today, in about 600 years ago from Epicurus' time, God had planned and did do something to combat all the evil and suffering in the world, namely, through a man by God, Emmanuel, God incarnate, Jesus Christ dying on the cross for your sins, my sins, and Epicurus' sins. The fourth question that Epicurus asks is, is God neither able nor willing, then why call him God? And I would somewhat agree with that, because if there's a deity out there, that claims he can stop evil and he is unwilling to do it or that he wants to stop evil but he is unable to do it or that he's neither able nor willing to do it i get all that but again this is taking the other gods the pantheistic pantheistic gods the polytheism and trying to tie jehovah in the same way completely different god than what's talked about in Epicurus's day with the Greek deities. Like I said, it's the third point of Epicurus that we really want to look at today. Is God both able and willing? Then whence cometh evil? I submit to you that God is completely able and he is willing. And the fact that that is not illogical, it's not a contradiction, and the fact that God has a plan for all this and provided a means through all this. So let's think about this. Do you think you'd like to feel no pain at all? How would you like to go around life if if God could give you the ability to never feel pain again? Would you like that? Would you take God up on that offer? If you said yes, think again. Congenital insensitivity to pain, or in other words, CIP. CIP is a condition, it's a very rare condition, but it is a condition nonetheless to where an individual cannot feel or sense pain. According to the National Institutes of Health, congenital insensitivity to pain is characterized by the inability to perceive physical pain. People with this condition can feel the difference between sharp and dull, and hot and cold, but they cannot sense that a hot beverage is burning their tongue. This condition, which is present from birth, can lead to an accumulation of wounds, bruises, broken bones, and other health issues that may go undetected over time and can lead to a reduction in life expectancy. Young children with congenital insensitivity to pain may have mouth or finger wounds due to self-biting and may also experience multiple burn-related injuries. Many people with this condition also have a complete sense, complete loss of the sense of smell. You see, if you were to ask somebody that had CIP, or congenital insensitivity to pain, if it's a good thing not to be able to feel or sense pain, they would tell you that is wrong. That they probably wished they could feel or sense pain. Otherwise, they're constantly hurting themselves. 
their body is constantly telling them something is wrong, and yet they're unable to identify it. You see, and that's what pain does. Pain reveals a problem. Pain is our body's way of telling us that something is wrong with us physically and that we need to get some medical help. If I were to cut myself and I bleed, I get the sharp sensation of accidentally cutting myself, it hurts. It's telling me, look where the pain is. Look, I have blood coming out. Look, I need to clean it and bandage it. Pain is telling me something's wrong, allowing me to identify where the pain is and then what the problem is and how to treat it. Pain, though it never feels good in the moment, pain tells us that we need to get help or attention. Having pain, we're able to sense the need for help, and through that help, we can get healing. I remember a specific time when my daughter was, you know, she was still on, I, I want to say she was still on formula, and then she got dehydrated real bad. So we took her to the emergency room, and so the nurse was trying to give her an IV to get fluids back in her. And no matter where they tried to find a vein, the only vein they were able to find was a vein on the side of her skull, right on the side of her head by her temple. So there we were in the emergency room, having to hold down my infant daughter, screaming bloody murder because she was needing an IV in her head. You see, no matter how much pain my daughter was going through, I knew the only way she could get healing is through that IV to get fluids into her system, to hydrate her body so that she wouldn't have further damage from this dehydration. We trusted the doctors. We trusted the medicine. They knew what they were doing. In the pain of my daughter's dehydration, the pain she had to go through to receive the IV on the side of her head brought healing into her life. And it's not only the physical healing, but also spiritual healing I'd like to talk about. The suffering in their world today, the suffering in our lives, makes us question and ask that problem, ask that question of theodicy, ask that question, if God is good, why is there evil? Or from a naturalist perspective, where does evil come from? Because to a naturalist and materialist, there's no logical, rational answer on where suffering and where pain comes from. If we all are just products of brain chemicals, how do you know the pain and the suffering that you're going through isn't just the chemical reactions in your head? And if we're just, as I want to say it was Lawrence Krauss said, we're just people dancing to the music, how can we trust the music? How can we trust the composer? Do we even know what song we're dancing to? Pain and suffering makes no sense in a world where there's no objective morality or when there's no intrinsic value. What's the difference between me ripping a piece of paper and me ripping hair off another human being? Granted, ripping the hair off a human being would cause pain, but to a naturalist, there is no intrinsic value in that person, just as there's no intrinsic value in that piece of paper. You see, in response to Epicurus's question, whence cometh evil, only theism, more specifically the Christian worldview, sheds a light, a logical light, a rational light, on the reason for pain and suffering in the world we see today. 
It's in Genesis chapter 3 in the origins that we know and we see that through the fall of man, all the pain and suffering came. And Paul even talks about it in Romans chapter 8 that the whole creation groaneth and that we're waiting for this redemption, not only of the person and the body, but of the creation. The pain and suffering we see in the world today is very much what we should expect if this world was actually broken 6,000 years ago according to Genesis by Adam and Eve. This also lets us know that we need the healing for this pain and suffering and that that healing only comes through a relationship with Jesus Christ. Not Allah, not Buddha, not Krishna, not Joseph Smith or C.T. Russell or anyone else. You see, why do we have pain and suffering? And where does pain and suffering come from? Pain and suffering comes from our brokenness, our fall. The fact of God created perfect. Mankind ruined it. Suffering and pain is a part of it. But God promises that in Revelation 22, there will be a new heavens and a new earth. He will wipe away every tear. There will be no more pain, no more sorrow. For the former things are passed away and gone. That we are promised a utopian life after this one. This healing was provided through the death of Christ on the cross for your sins and mine. So when we have physical pain, we seek the cure, the remedy for that healing. In a similar vein, when we're going through the suffering of this life, we must realize this is a deeper spiritual question. We need to seek out the remedy and the cure for the suffering that we're going through. And that cure is only found in Jesus Christ. Thanks for listening. We pray this ministry glorifies God and edifies you, the listener. For more great content, including videos, blogs, newsletters, and a free ebook, check out our website at c4capologetics.weekly.com. You can also email us at c4capologetics at gmail.com with questions or ideas for future episodes. We truly appreciate you. Please like, share, and comment on this episode, and don't forget to subscribe for future episode notifications. Thanks for checking in, and remember to be bold and keep contending for Christ.